Hello everybody, this is Juan Bouchalet from ABC Noticias and you're listening to the Rayados 90 podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Rayados 90 podcast. I'm your host, Eduardo Razo. And joining me, as always, is Patrick Mihan. Pat, how are you doing this weekend? I'm doing good, and everything's fine, except for my teams. <laughs> yeah, yeah. considering Rayados won yesterday, but still, it, it, it's, you know, it, it, it wasn't pretty, and, and you're not going to get any style points with the way they won. But before I wanted to get into all that good stuff, uh, earlier in, early in the week, I think it was like in the middle of the week, um, Mario Castellejos, if, if I'm not mistaken, passed away. And he was like one of the more stable journalists in, in Monterrey. And, and I recently, you know, started following him maybe like maybe a year and a half ago. So I'm not like too familiar with his work, but I do remember a lot of his like radio show clips would always come across, you know, the timeline that, or, or it would always show up if I was, like, looking up tweets, you know, about Rylos or something like that. So I just, mm-hmm. you know, wanted to just send any kind of condolences to his, you know, loved ones before we before we started this podcast. Yeah, that was a rough, a rough one. Uh, growing up in Monterey, you grew up, you grew up with, with him on TV, on the radio, everywhere, talking Rayados and Tigres. Uh, he was just part of... Of your life, kind of, you know, yeah. some 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 journal. When you grew up, grow up in a city, or when you live in a city for a while, the journalists, the people that cover whatever happens in your city, just become part of your everyday life. Uh, and you know, I moved away from Monterey. I haven't lived there in a while, uh, but of course, I still follow him, or I still know what he's up to. You know, because Monterey. But uh, yeah, that was a rough one, and uh, I had a tough time dealing with it. Uh, also, I have a, one, a cousin of mine that works with him on on his TV show, Pasión Futbolera, which that show was like what what I watched as a kid uh, growing up. It's it's uh, yeah, I don't know. It was very sad, and uh, he's definitely gonna be missed. He was a good one, uh, and I think it caught everybody off guard. Like, I don't know, that's the way I kind of sense it because, yeah, you know, it was like, I remember he was just tweeting some stuff like a day or two ago, and then when it came across my timeline that it said he passed away, I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, like, you know, like, you know, it was one of those, you know, news that you're like, it's just like, wow, you know, it's like, I didn't, yeah. that wasn't something I was expecting to read early in the morning, because I think it came across like early in the morning on yes, Wednesday, I believe, you know, so. Um, yeah, it was definitely off guard. I still... To this day, I, I remember today I thought of him for some, you know, I've been just thinking of him or thinking of what the fuck, like, it's so weird it, whenever stuff like this happens. And, and, uh, and yeah, it, it caught me off guard for sure. It was a surprising one. It was one of, it was, it was, you know, he's not a, he's not a close person to me. He's not a family member, nothing, but. He's still close in some way, and it felt it felt bad. It felt it was yeah, bad. yeah, yeah. Like you said, once, once um, 
you know, if you follow a team, any team in any city, there's always like a staple of journalists, reporters, TV personalities that just become a part of your daily routine. Like they don't know you or anything, but you know, they're they're integrating in what you do um, when you follow a certain certain team. But but yeah, I just wanted to talk about that briefly before we started. But let's let's move on to the to the match against Webla. Give me your initial thoughts on on it because it started off well. It started off great actually after a couple of weeks where it's just been bad starts and trying to get out of holes. But you know it was a two a two nothing lead. You know and, and you're at home and then the wheels came off. <laughs> Puebla then tied it two two and it, it I think was it, it at the 80th minute marks it you know. They were able to save grace and walk and left with the three-two win. But yeah, just give me your reactions to that three-two win. Yeah, I remember when uh, I remember when that penalty, the penalty was called. I was like, we're back into our typical ways where we win by by a good good amount. Nico Sanchez scores a penalty, you know, because I feel like every time we we have a really good game, we have a penalty conceded uh, or or. Like penalty four, you know, in our favor. Uh, then Funes Mori scored, and I was like, oh, this is what we wanted to see against Necaxa, you know, a comfortable, comfortable win where we play well and where we are very chill and that nothing's going wrong. And then, um, well, and, and, and after this, I want to talk about the celebrations. But then when we got tied against, uh, when Perla scored the second one, I was like, you know what? Let's just lose. Please, let's just lose. So when Nico Sanchez scored the third one, I really didn't even celebrate it. Or I didn't celebrate any of the three. It was just a, ah, I wanted for us to lose or tie. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that makes me a bad fan or, or whatever. Yeah, they were attacking those type of fans on Twitter that I saw yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there were some people that were like, dude, just... I But, I mean, you, you weren't... The only one I, I remember, uh, what's his Twitter handle? The guy that does all the tactics. Um, he was saying yeah, that. Tweeted, yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, I retweeted out. Tweet about he that, tweet, yeah. He, yeah, he tweeted that these three points do more harm than yeah. good because the way they're playing, it's still the same way. And yeah. they barely got through a, a Puebla team who's one of the worst teams in, in Mexico. So. And we've talked this, about this for a long time. Nico Sanchez uh, doing, saving. Uh, the Alonso job. He's not supposed to be the guy scoring two games, two goals in a game. He's not supposed to be the guy uh, that has 28 goals in his career. He's about to enter their, our top, I don't even remember, top something in goals ever for this team. Like, come he, on. He's our second leading goal scorer this year, and just in 2019. That's, that's not good yeah, in so many <laughs> Couldn't ways. you consider how much they spent on other players? I think, what is yeah, it? Yeah, Nearly player. 10 million on Jansen. 15, 14 million on Pizarro and uh, Maxi Mesa. So it's, um, yeah, that's about 30 million or over 30 million dollars uh, spent on three players. And but I guess I guess number one is Funes Mori, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's... yeah, he's 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 before or he's over Dorlan Pavón, Avila Hurtado, Maxi Mesa, Jansen, Pizarro, eh, Gallardo, who attacks a lot, Layun, who attacks a lot. It's not good. <laughs> But yeah. it's normally not good when your defenders are the, you know, second. yeah, the second uh, leading goal scorer for your club. It's just, no. yeah, 
But let's let's break down that celebration in the first penalty. Um, that one was a very lightning rod topic. Some people were saying, was it staged? Yeah. Was it out of sincerely passion? You know that they have each other's back. What is what is your take on on all that? I saw a lot of takes, and I saw also that when I saw it, when I saw it live, my first reaction was like, of course, you know, because Nico Sanchez has been asking for the fans to be more together, uh, asking us for not uh, to not boo them or to not criticize the Alonso to be on his side. So I was like, ah, of course. But then he like uh, urged everybody a million times to go and hug. Uh, you know, you know, accompany him to go hug Diego Alonso. So that part made it strange. Like, they'll follow you if you just go. I don't know, but if, I guess if he would have gone by himself, it would it, it would have been just weird that only one player supports Diego Alonso. Uh, so I don't know. I I thought it was weird. I thought it was forced in a way. It's not necessary to show it like that, especially when you're definitely still not playing good. And then. Um, and then Nico Sanchez can also be, this can end up damaging him in a way where, you know, he's our most loved player or one of the most loved. And he's super supportive of our coach that most of us hate. So it's in, he's in a little bit of a tough place. And, and if we keep playing bad and if we keep playing like we do and losing points, uh, Nico Sanchez starts getting more into it against us. It's going to damage kind of his reputation i think so that's yeah, a tough place i guess you have to support your coach at the end of the day when you're a player yeah because i don't think he's going anywhere i think he's stuck here for the for the remainder of the season so unless you know it really goes off the rails you know they gotta you gotta learn to uh, respect each other live with each other because you're stuck here for another two months or or whatever and you know it's it's just you don't want the situation to get more messier than people are already assuming it is. So, but but I I'm not gonna say it was staged. But if you can see the 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 you know go back to watching that penalty kick, it looked like he was gonna do one celebration, but then it like it yeah. it hit him that oh shit I wanna I wanna do this. So then right. he changed he did a complete 360 and then he. He booked it to where Diego Alonso was, and then that's when all the players were there. So I'm not gonna say it was like uh, staged. I think he had it planned out. Eventually, if you were he to score, it, sure, yeah. you know, I I I would like to think there's like some actual sincerity to it. Like there's actual yeah. type of feelings to it because, you know, you don't want to just stage an event so everybody can say, hey, we're all together, all this and that, but behind closed doors, it's yeah. something else. So, exactly. you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes because, but, like I said, oh, go ahead, Pat. No, but, uh, you know, that was one of the three celebrations in this game where each one of them, I think each one of them had a special little thing to them. Uh, we talked about the first one and then the second one, Funes Mori, went and celebrated with the bench players. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, to also give them that support, to also show United with the coach, with the guys that don't play and everything. And then in the third goal, Nico Sanchez was like all of us doing kind of signs like, hey, all of us together, please. All mm -hmm. of us together, please. He kind of repeated that like three times. And I think all of those. Yeah, because he went to where all the the 
you know, he went straight to that corner area of, yeah. of the other side. So he was, yeah, I, I remember him. You know, I didn't know that was what he was trying to say, but I knew he was celebrating in that area of the of the field. Yeah, he did uh, kind of like all of us. Let's be together, please. But he said the police kind of sign, you know, like three times, mm-hmm. and which is cool. And I saw it, and I was like, okay, that's cool and everything. But uh, I think the supporters can have their opinion, and if you yeah. don't think we can be saying what we say, then deal with it, man. I mean, at the end of the day, you're played. You're being paid to play, and we're paying for to watch you play. It comes with the territory, you know. Yeah. They're getting paid handsomely. You know, some of these players are going to set up their families for years to come with the amount of income that they're bringing in from playing. But receiving criticism, you know, constructive criticism. Yeah, it's is, not it's, like it's, we... You know, yeah, like they're the the key area that I kept seeing was, or the key criticism that I kept seeing was that it still doesn't look right. You know. <laughs> Yeah, we won with a looking like the same. It was the same old Diego Alonso and also the same old way of winning with Nico Sanchez being the savior. And, uh, you know, it's a tough one with Nico Sanchez just because of all he's given us, but he shouldn't be, he shouldn't be that guy. Also, I want to say this, and Monterrey, the Monterrey fan base, the Reals fan base, is one of the most, um, we're super, we criticize them all the time. But we're very aware of everything around the club. We're super into it. And our criticism is not like, oh, get this guy out because he he just sucks. No, we kind of... Well, we'll there talk. is some of that, though. No, like, <laughs> like in every... every yeah, but, yeah, I just wanted to poke fun at that. But yeah, no, like, there's, but, always, there's always a reason for it. Like, there's there, always... Yeah. But every single fan, if you ask them, okay, why do you want this? They'll give you a valid reason. I mean, you can be in their side or not, but everybody... Is, it's a city. It's a city with a lot of opinions, and and let's remember Mario Castillejos again, because he is this guy that that took that type of passion that Monterrey fans have uh, nationwide. So yeah, just it's a, a double kind of um, way to remember Mario Castillejos because it's true. Uh, you see Miguel Ayun. I'm sure he never got. Uh, fans telling him how he should play on Twitter before until now that he's with Rayados, you know, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk about the Cesar Montes injury that kind of got lost in the shuffle and in and, 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 and all of this. So it was, I think it was late in that second half or first half, I mean, and it was a really, really bad head collision. It was uh, both Cesar Montes and I'm not sure which player on Puebla, um, they were both going for an aerial duel, and it just, you know, they both collided heads, and, and Cesar Montes got the, the worst of it. And, you know, he was laying there motionless. It, I mean, if you watch American football, you kind of know when two players collide, you know, head to shoulder, and there's a player just laying lifeless on, on the field. It, it kind of felt like I, was, I watched that. And he ended up being transported straight to the, you know, from the, from the, from the stadium to the hospital. And we got a couple of updates. For the most part, it looks like he's responsive. Everything is good, and I think he's going to be released tomorrow from the hospital. And then they'll, um, you know, take the precautions and proceed forward on the, 
rehab and and all that stuff. So I just wanted to get your take on, or any initial you know thoughts on just what you saw when you looked at the injury, either live or on Twitter. It was horrible to watch. It was horrible to watch. I remember at the time of the actual um, collision, or, or like in real time, I, I missed it for some reason, or I was looking somewhere else at the time. I don't know. And the, But I heard uh, Rodolfo Landero say something like, uh, yeah, his fingers curled or something like that. I was like, damn, then it must be a rough one. And they put the replay on, and it was horrible to watch. I hate this type of injuries. And Liga Mix... I think we've talked about this before as well. They need to do something with the head collisions. And they need to take you out as soon as possible. Or they need to copy what the MLS is doing, where they have a doctor uh, assigned to the MLS, not to the teams, who can do a valid um, uh, evaluation of the player on the spot and decide if he should uh, stay on the pitch or not. And I think they shouldn't. It's a tough, it's a tough uh, situation because... Uh, this is not the first time that this has happened to Cesar Montes, and we all know what happens with NFL NFL players. And I'm just happy that he's fine and he's doing well. And I think on Monday he'll be released. It's the same day that this podcast gets released, so today um, he'll be released. But it's tough. I I hate to see that. I just hate yeah. to see that. I I'm I don't want to dedicate any more time to this part, but. The people who were saying that he died, they're they're pieces of shit. Like no yeah. lie, like those people. I get it; it's Twitter, but it doesn't change my mind that you're a piece of shit and you have too much time on your hands to to be saying shit like that. So that, that's all I'm gonna say. I'm not even gonna, yeah. you know, no, put out the ad or who's that. But you know, people are probably, you know, if 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 you're on Twitter and you follow Rayados and all that stuff, you probably know the account that i'm talking about so uh yeah that's all the time i'm going to dedicate to that but yeah i mean this is going to be a busy week uh you got two two matches in one week you have obviously on wednesday they go to um you know mexico city to play cruz azul at the azteca and then on saturday you get the big clasico regio and i think because it's a doble jornada it kind of takes away to the build-up you know, because you still have a match in between. You know, before you get to that big match, you have a match in between. So I'm not yeah. sure if you feel the same way, but I mean, what's what's your you know feeling heading into these two matches? Because as as of right now, I think I checked, Rayos are are in a, in a in a Liga spot. You know, but that obviously a, a bad two matches, it can go <laughs> it can go back to being worse. But obviously. What's your thought? You know, what what do you what what are you thinking this uh, doble jornada week? Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I'm not thinking about El Clasico just because Cruz Azul is up next, but um, this week is crucial. It's uh, another exam for the Alonso, and like we've talked, especially in the previous season, where the Alonso had a couple of exams during the season, like a couple of weeks that were very complicated. And he approved all of them. I don't know if you remember, like a, there was a week like a, a Conca Champions, Chivas, and Conca Champions again, or there was another one with uh, the Classic Regio and a couple of other uh, hard games. And he came through in all of them, in all the, almost all of them. So I'm confident on the Alonso to to you know make us be competitive. 
but I'm just still not confident on our game to be able to win in a good fashion. Uh, we all know what we have been doing this season. We've seen some very little uh, good football. Uh, I'm, I just want this first game against Cruz Azul to end in a good way. It's away from home. It's going to be complicated. It's at Estadio Azteca. But I can't Which wait normally isn't it doesn't treat Ayala's kind. It, yeah. The last couple of tournaments, it hasn't been a a nice you know stadium to to the squad. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and so. then uh, I'm excited for another Clásico Regio. It's always great. And news came out today that Diego Reyes would not make it there. So, well, it's still. I don't think that's good news. I think that's bad. Well, yo, no, that's bad news for us because. <laughs> for us, yeah. I mean, he's not very good at defending. So. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the reason why we're kind of speeding up this uh, talk between Jaelos and Paula is because we're probably going to talk about it in our third segment because we have Francisco Velasco who covers Puebla in English. So we're probably going to end up talking about it a little bit more in detail when we talk to him. He was but, there. Yeah, he was there, and I wanted to get his opinion on 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 the, you, the stadium and all that stuff. I saw his vlog too. He did a vlog, so that was. Uh, yeah, I was gonna ask you. Yeah, yeah, it was a cool vlog. We'll talk about uh, yeah about that with I, him. I, I I messaged him right now, so I'm just waiting to get back and see if he's ready. But um, before we do that, and before we throw it to Rompas for our second segment, I wanted to talk about Royadas. Royadas, as per usual, they're doing their thing. They beat um, Atlético San Luis. Five to one or four to? I think it's five to one. If I'm not four to one or five to one, I don't have the thing in front of me. Five, I think. Yeah, no? five. five. Yeah. Um, but the the main I think topic or the surrounding the, the the squad this week is that five players got called up to play for you know the Mexican national team. You had uh, Rebecca Bernal, who's kind of been a mainstay for call ups, but and and Dino Ragarza. But then now you have three other players in Marian, um, Mariana Cardenas. Is that right? I, I, I yeah. Feel... Car- Car- Cardenas? Cardenas. <laughs> Let me pull it. I, I'm so lazy to just look it up on Twitter right here. I want to... Uh, before we... Cadena. With... There you go. Mariana yeah, Cadena. 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 I'm, she, she might be listening to me and she's like... You you Come idiot! On, Come on, get it together. <laughs> um, but then you had um, Diana Evangelista, and then you had Desiree Monsevay. So you had five of them, and that's when you know you have a dominant squad to get like five call ups. You know, usually when you see that type of call ups, it's from like a Europe. You know, on the men's side, it's usually like a, a European squad. So I was always shocked that Radas never had like more like five. You know, it was always Rebecca Bernal and. And I know, like, I'm remembering just the call-ups before the Women's World Cup when they played Canada and the U.S. And it was Rebecca Bernal and Dina Garza. And, you know, they were the only two. So I was always kind of puzzled that they didn't get more because obviously they had the the leading goal scorer in Liga Mekis, you know, not getting a call-up. So I was, like, I was always kind of surprised. But then you have, like, players like... um. Diana Evangelista, who stepped up her game this year, who's, you know, taking it to another level. And then you have Cadena, who's kind of taken that center back role with um, Bernal. You know, that's the duo that, that the squad is going with. So, you know, kudos to them. And, you know, it's 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 well-deserved. Usually I think of call-ups 
as like a reward or your country rewarding you for your really outstanding play. I don't know if you see it that way. Yeah, yeah, I see exactly like you said. They've been, um, especially this past game. I saw, I saw a great team again. You know, I think every game that happens during the regular season, it seems. Who did we talk with this with? I'm forgetting for some reason, but uh, it seems like you know we're always rolling away with it, and uh, yeah, and then um, our players are just too good and then comes that that time yeah they're 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 flexing you know as we like to say you know that's a good way to put it they're flexing they're always flexing you know uh, and And you know like what what we were hoping rayados did with puebla rayas did was rayas do with almost every other opponent you know everybody like yeah they should beat them they beat them but they beat them convincingly you know yeah, 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 exactly. It's literally what they're doing, what we want Rayados to do. But yeah. at least we have one of them. Yeah, doing it. but Rayados, it's one of those teams that, okay, we've seen this before. Let's show us in, in the Ligia, you know? So it's kind of like, yeah, you know, it, it takes away a little bit, but still, you know, it comes with being a really good team. And just, just to wrap up on that, uh, it's pretty much going to be them and Pachuca at this point as the standings you know if the standings continue going like this that are going to be battling out for that top two spot because yeah everybody else is even tigres you know they're at it's it's pachuca and and Rayadas and you know then everybody else so um yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, one more thing before we go to to rompas i wanted a shout out to selena castillo who was trolling tigres <laughs> I didn't see that tweet till like in I think it was on Thursday or, or Friday, um, whenever the day after that Leagues Cup uh, match between Tigres and Cruz Azul when Noel Guzman, I'm not. Do you want to call it dirty um, play? Uh, she she you know she just put a pig emoji you know to that. I think it was it. Uh, I'm not sure if it was a, a response of his or or the video of it. I got to double check. But, you know, she pretty much called him out and a bunch of Tigres fans were in their feelings in the in the response section. So, like, uh, you know, I, I this is why, again, I, I love Rayados because they're not afraid to, like, show their emotions on Twitter or, or what they're feeling. And, you know, she pretty much riled up a whole fan base. Yeah, they're very different to our, our Rayados, for sure. They know how to use Twitter. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, they tweet during the Rayados matches, which is also something I really like. And uh, you've had, or Rayados90 has had some uh, follows, right? Or recent. Yeah. yeah. You know, they're, they, we're definitely clicking with them. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Now we just need a player to come in and talk with us. Yeah, hopefully in, in the, once their tournament is over with the, with the championship. But yeah, I just wanted to say that because that was, I, I found that very funny. Uh, this week on Twitter, so you know, we we try not to take everything on this podcast too seriously. But uh, but yeah, we're, we're gonna toss it over to Rompas, and then when you hear us, we'll be talking to Francisco Velasco of um, I think the Twitter English account for the Puebla account is Club Puebla English. I think. But anyways, but yeah, enjoy enjoy um, what Rompas has to say, and we'll be back on the other side of that.
guys, welcome to a Rompus segment of the Rayados Ninety podcast. And uh, well, we're gonna we're gonna talk about a few a few things. Uh, beginning in the beginning, obviously about the game, the last Saturday game against uh, Puebla. It was a W, a really needed W for Alonso's team. And uh, well, let's get into it. First, um, I really liked the first 15-20 minutes. Well, uh, from from Rayados, uh, it was uh, they were playing good football. They were creating chances. Puebla wasn't even touching the ball. Uh, but we have this ongoing problem of a lack of definition from our strikers, and uh, well. That that's pretty much how it, the the game started with with Rayados uh, going forward with Rayados having the ball and uh, Puebla wasn't even Barovero wasn't a picnic basically there was not not one single option created by them so it was kind of expected right um because of the huge difference. When it comes to points and and also the roster, that uh, this is the way the the it should be right. Given that Puebla is on the eighteenth place uh, of our Liga MX, and obviously that when it comes to to the roster itself, we we have much more better players at least on paper. So then we had the break the. Water break at the twenty fifth minute. Just uh, so everybody who's not familiar with that concept is basically, whenever there's a game at a particular uh, time, for instance, five p.m. Uh, local time, especially uh, up north uh, from Mexico, uh, which would be uh, uh Monterrey, um, Tigres, Santos, or even Tijuana. At the 25th minute, the referee has to stop the game, so everybody hits, gets uh, water and, uh, and, and kind of cool off. Because even though it wasn't that hot, it was only 33 degrees uh, Celsius. Um, it, is, it, is, uh, it does impact on the, on the performance of the player. So when we got uh, back from the, from the break, Rael still had the ball. Uh, it was uh, creating chances, not clear chances, but chances at least. And uh, Puebla again, it wasn't even touching the ball. So then, what happened was that uh, Aviles Hurtado got tackled uh, inside a penalty box. Referee didn't hesitate to call a penalty, and uh, Nico Sanchez turned that into a, a goal, the leading goal. One nil and uh, something um, unexpected happened, which was uh, Nico Sanchez instead of going and celebrating with the with the fans or something like that, he was he was basically making a statement. He ran towards uh, Alonso and gathered pretty much all the players to celebrate with Alonso, kind of saying that like we are together. Uh, because throughout the week, the press, the fans, well, part of the fans, 
we're saying that the, basically the the locker room is uh is splitted uh uh which you kind of can't tell <laughs> but they try to gave this message by doing that but later on in the game it happened something uh, uh that clearly stated much more uh so that happened and and then uh there was a play with uh cesar montes on a corner that uh he basically crashed head to head with uh with the player from puebla uh he was knocked out uh you can see on the on the replay that uh when he touched the the ground he was out and uh they did they did substitute him um which just to point out that that's the correct way to pros of of proceeding with when it comes to this type of situations we saw it with uh diego reyes uh, within the week when tigres played uh Cruz Azul, a similar situation happened when you can clearly see Diego Reyes was knocked out and Tigres didn't substitute him. It's not especially, uh, it's not this I wanted to mention especially Tigres. It's just that you have to have a certain procedure uh, by by rule, but this is not something that exists at the moment. So I, I do want to point out that Reyes acted accordingly because of, of how... Uh, awful the the fall was the the hit was and, and everything so great 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 call by by Rael's uh, medic department that also Alonso Montes was rushed out to a hospital uh, he has a concussion basically he's gonna be out but uh, but thankfully he's not uh, injured on a on a on a severe way so what well, that happened also and then what happened was the best play for the whole match was uh, Maxi Mesa giving a pass to Gallardo on the left field Gallardo got to that ball did a cross amazing cross to Funes Mori who had the, the goal basically with the header it was a beautiful play it was uh, th those type those type of plays is what we need to happen more often because we have the type of players that can do that. Just it was it was really it was a really amazing play. Um, then, but uh, basically, it happened what it's becoming a, a certain of a custom <laughs> with uh, Rayados. Um, Especially with Alonso's uh, coaching, um, we have a, an advantage, a two-goal leading advantage, and then something happens that I don't know if they get overconfident or or maybe there's something psychological that we're winning. What what we're gonna do? Oh my God, we're gonna we're gonna lose something. I don't know what happens, but Puebla put the the pedal to the floor and. Especially Angulo, who, who is a really good player, I I, I would go for him uh, on the left back uh, of them. Uh, he created the two chances for two goals of Puebla, and they g gave them that that hope. Uh, and uh, well, that's when 
you know, kind of went south. Um, the fans started to pressure the team. Everybody was mad. Everybody was... We were thinking, like, oh, my God, we're going to either draw, which would be awful, or even worse, which would be losing against Puebla. Keep in mind, Puebla is the 18th, 18th place on La Liga MX out of 19 teams. So you're you're in your third, so there's no explanation to, for that. Even though the, the statistics shows that... W since the BBVA stadium was uh, was uh, opened, um, Puebla has been here five times and didn't lose any of those games. It was two draws and two losses against Puebla here in Monterrey. So you can expect if you take that into consideration. But given the, uh, the, the momentum, it, and uh, obviously the difference of, of players, you shouldn't be struggling to defeat a team like Puebla. So then uh, what happened was that uh, Monterey went, went all aboard. Um, there was this corner where Nico Sanchez um, did a beautiful header and gave us the, the W, 3-2. And um, Puebla's players were basically saying that he pushed the the defender before he jumped for for the header but it's a mild push uh so it's not something you can call as a foul at least in my perspective um especially in the penalty box where everybody <laughs> basically hogs or, or even wrestle a little that's not something that you're gonna call as a, as a foul um and uh, well that's that's basically the the sum the the situation explained what on what happened in the in the game right um it was a great result it was a great victory but uh it was an awful uh an awful way to get it because you struggled with again one of the worst teams in the La Liga MX, so this is not something that that we can take as a great victory just for that reason alone. It is good because we were coming out of a, a loss against Necaxa, so this is this is good for Alonso's team for this week, especially that's coming on. Uh, we're gonna face Cruz Azul on next um, Wednesday on the twenty fifth. And then Tigres next Saturday, so it's gonna be a rough week. It can it can decide uh, the future for Rayados at least in this tournament. I hope we can get the W in both games, but I don't see how. Maybe maybe if if the players start to 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 show they their actually their actual abilities skills, maybe we can get the W in both both games. But I would expect to to lose against Cruz Azul and maybe even with Tigres because if you're struggling with Puebla, well, Tigres is a much more better team. So it sounds a bit harsh, maybe, but it is the truth, at least on my 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 perspective and a lot of people that that I talk to. Um, 
it's kind of it's gonna be hard to get the six points uh, from the two games I mean three three games per, three points per game obviously so that happened and then um, after the game there was a situation um, between Rayados fans that uh, got a bit uh, viral because um, somebody recorded that uh, two well not two about 10 to 12 guys were basically fighting um, on the avenue just outside of the stadium um, it was it's something that uh, I, I'm always gonna I'm always gonna be against uh, I'm not up for for any type of violence for that matter but obviously it's even worse when it's when it's people from the same club uh, fighting each other um, I can say for at least uh, as uh, ex Barra Brava for, for the club, um, I was a part of like La Dicción back on 2000, early 2000, late, uh, late 90s. Um, and I can say that those type of fights usually are because there's people from, from hoods that don't like each other on a daily basis. So they meet whenever Rayados plays. This happens with any club here in Mexico. They bring those issues to the stadium, um, so they end up fighting. This is something that we, when when I was there on, on Navarra, we really condemned. Uh, we always try to tell people that uh, the situations or any issues that you may have, you have to resolve those uh, for whatever means necessary back where you where you live on your hood in your hood whatever it is that you want to do but not not where where Rayals is playing because you you, you can face actually a, a a punishment from la liga say say that la liga says you know what this is not safe for fans so we're gonna ban fans for for one game that's obviously gonna affect the the club and this is not what we're here for um, I don't understand it. I'm never gonna understand it. Um, I think that by now people were over the violence, but well, obviously we we we're not. So so this is something that is really uh, it does happen more often, but this time got bigger because it was a. Uh, was recorded and it went viral, right? So that situation uh, tells me that uh, that uh, it's something that it shouldn't happen. It does happen, but again, here at least on my end, and I'm sure that for everybody else in the podcast, we're not gonna, uh, we're not ever gonna talk good about any any violent situation that involves Club de Fútbol Monterrey or their their fans. Um, I hope everybody's okay. I hope that this is uh, something that keep, can be solved and not happen again in the future. Um, that's the, 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 the situation with that. 
Um, other thing that happened that I was saying earlier when Nico Sanchez uh, went and celebrated with with Alonso, it also caught my attention that uh, on the second break, on the second half, the second break for water and and this and that that they do, Alonso was trying to give some instructions to the players and nobody seemed to listen or, or even care. So this is what I mean when I say that you can act a certain way to make people believe that there's no problems, that there's nothing uh, broken within the, the club. But again, you see that footage and you see Alonso's way of, of approaching the players to, to tell them instructions and they are not even paying attention. So that says more for me as a fan that the actual fact that they went and celebrated with Alonso is it's, it's kind of weird. It's kind of weird. Um, well, the obviously, ah, well, for me, the rompista of the week, at least this week, I want to give a huge shout out to Stefan Medina. He is, um, at the moment, he is on another level. He he started as a left. Uh, I'm not sorry, a right wing, a left back, right back wing. Sorry, right back. Um, on on the on the first 35, 40 minutes before Montes got injured and substituted. And he did an amazing job with Angulo, especially. Angulo couldn't, he didn't win any one-on-one -on -one against Medina. He was doing such a great job. And then when he was on the, on the actual Montes position, uh, on the back, um, he did even better. Um, he's showing a level that I haven't seen in a while from any Rayados defender. So obviously this time he's going to be the rompista of the week, even though Nico Sanchez scored two goals uh, for the win. But I still want to shout out uh, Medina because he's performing in an absolutely ama amazing level. And, uh, well... The for for Rayados Cruz Azul again. I think it's gonna be hard. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about this two games on next podcast. Um, and uh, well, talking a little bit about uh, Real Madrid's uh, performance on like, like the champions. Uh, we did horribly against PSG. Um. This is something that we we were talking, uh, Eddie and I, um, that uh, Madrid needs a clutch player. I don't see who can be right now. I don't see Benzema doing it. Bale obviously isn't, isn't. Maybe Hazard has the chance to to become that player, but at the moment, I, I really think that Madrid is going to... Obviously, gonna advance to the next phase, but we're gonna struggle. We'll struggle a lot. Um, um, we have a, a okay-ish um, group, so we have the the chance to 
throughout fans. But this is a the situation is that you you got rid of a player who gave you fifty plus goals per season, and you're not gonna get to that amount of goals. Not even taking into account that uh, the three strikers that I already mentioned, uh, Bale, Bale uh, Benzema, and, and Hazard. Uh, not even uh, Vinicius um, Jr. So we, we're going to definitely struggle. And another thing is that we got rid of uh, Kaylor Navas, which for me, he's a really good goalkeeper. I, I didn't understand. I didn't understood why we got rid of of Kaylor. Uh, I don't think he's better than Courtois. Um, so we're gonna definitely gonna struggle. Uh, this is a tough one for Zidane, um, Zidane's uh, team. Um, but hey, maybe maybe because uh, it's the champions. Maybe that for that reason alone, we can we can still. Do at least a okay performance throughout the entire Champions League, not just groups. And uh, well, that's pretty much it for for my my part. Um, shouts out to all my rompistas. Um, we just reached six point six k on Twitter. Follow me at Rompas is back. Uh, for much more detailed information about Royals. Obviously shouts out to to everybody involved in the podcast, Eddie, Pat, Pam, um all our guests um they have been showing love to to the podcast. We are over 2k um followers on Twitter. We are um we 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 we're, we're going on a great direction and I want to thank every single one of you guys who listens downloads rates comments everything involving the, the podcast so thank you so much for your time and i do hope you have a awesome awesome week we will talk about the results of the, the two games that are coming up on next sunday thank you back we're uh joined with francisco velasco of first of all he's a he's a puebla supporter but he also covers the club in english and he was actually at the stadium if if you don't follow him he actually did a vlog um it's like it's a good 30 minutes so it's a it's it's well worth watching just because you get a little insight you know from a perspective you know from the other side of of an opponent so francisco thank you for joining us And, you know, before we get into what happened yesterday, can you just talk to us about how did you end up becoming a Puebla supporter and what made you want to cover the club? Hey, guys. Uh, good to be here on the podcast, of course. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was kind of an inter interesting story uh, with Puebla. It was more of, like, um, initially, like, I didn't support him as a kid or anything. Um, as a kid, I really have a team, I would say. Uh, that I was really attached to. And then 
it was up until I think beginning of or late 2017, I started to get more into Puebla. And uh, yeah, I finally visited the stadium last year. Uh, actually, uh, right about a year ago, just fell in love with the stadium, the Estadio Huactemoc. Uh, yeah, the stadium as well, uh, the, the team, the city, everything. Um, and yeah, we really, really started getting into Puebla. Um, now I support them, like without a doubt, <laughs> over any other team. And yeah, live in the city, love the city. And yeah, that's basically how I got into, you know, really uh, supporting Puebla and decided to go to the city one day, uh, covering the team. And thought I'd made a, make an English page about it as well. And yeah, that's where I'm at now. And so just just to trace it a little bit back, you're the second Puebla fan we had. I never thought yeah. that starting this podcast that Puebla would be the 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 club that we'd have more fans of. You know, you're the second one. So you know that that's like an interesting tidbit. But how did so for you? What were you expecting from Puebla earlier? You know, heading into this season, what was your realistic expectations because right now it doesn't look good they just fired their head coach a couple of weeks ago and just where are you at at this when you know with the state of this club yeah heading into the season i did have certain hopes i would say uh, i thought liguilla was a possibility at one point uh, because the team didn't get didn't get much worse i would say uh, they did let go of their right back uh, vladimir loroña which was a big blow uh, but overall, I would say the team uh, stayed about the same. You know, they kept Cavallini, which was a big deal. Uh, that gave me a lot of hopes going into the season. Um, but with Chelis, though, the thing was with Chelis, it was tough. I mean, there's clearly some off-the-field stuff going on, and now that's more clear than ever uh, with certain news that came around. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, overall, uh, I did have certain hopes heading into the season. But now, I mean, the state of the club now, uh, basically... Uh, finish it off like Puebla usually does, uh, right around 10th, 11th place. Uh, slightly missed the playoffs, I would say. I think that is a possibility. Uh, but yeah. So for for the next manager, what do you want to see out of them go after? Like, is there? Do you, I'm not sure if you have anybody in mind, but what philosophy do you want the next manager to have with this club? Because last year they were pretty close to getting to the league. Yeah, they were like maybe a. a, a you know, uh, they, they finished eighth, ninth, or 10th or whatever, but they were really close. This year or this tournament, it's kind of, you know, they've taken a step back. So, you know, heading into the Clausura next year, you know, what's your, you know, what would you like to see the, the club do? Yeah, I, don't, I definitely don't want to see Juan Reynoso in there for next season. I really think this was a step back for the team. I mean, he was already there as an assistant coach uh, to Enrique Mesa. And I really don't think it's a step forward at all. Very pragmatic manager. Uh, don't, I don't want to see that at all. I'd rather see someone with uh, a bit more fresh ideas, a bit more uh, offensive style of play. Uh, I really wanted to see Rafa Puente uh, Jr. Uh, when Chelis was initially fired, uh, but that didn't end up happening. Uh, some people were saying Chepo, but I would really rather see uh, someone with some fresh ideas like uh, Rafa Puente Jr. Yeah, you don't want to end up like Toluca where you just bring in you know, a manager where their philosophies or their style isn't for 2019 and it's just, you just pretty much waste a, a tournament. But Pat, do you have anything to, to add in? Yeah, I wanted 
to kind of go back a little bit more and ask about, um, you know, we've talked for the, about this for a while here in this podcast about covering Mexican teams in English since, well, first of all, it's the most watched league in the U.S. You know, there's a lot of people that speak both languages and it seems like the teams and the league itself doesn't really um, care much for that. Uh, so we decided to take a step forward with Rayados. I know you've done the same with with Puebla. There's, of course, a lot of other teams that do it as well. What do you think of this whole movement of the Liga MX in English since you're a part of it? Yeah, I think it's great. I think it's really uh, an, an untapped market, really. Uh, when you look at it, I mean, it is the most viewed league in the U.S., which is pretty crazy. I mean, we consider that there's a Premier League as well. Uh, but yeah, most viewed league in the U.S. Uh, and definitely, you know, a lot of potential here. And it, But it's great to see, you know, this season uh, more official accounts popping up like Atlas, uh, Leon. Uh, that's very good to see, of course. And um, hopefully, you know, a few more teams take initiative, uh, you know, start creating those English accounts. I mean, you know, if, you know, certain European teams have, have uh, you know, Spanish accounts, why not? <laughs> you know, the Amekis teams should have official, you know, English pages as well. And let's let's talk about the match yesterday. What well before before we talk about the match, let's talk about your experience at the at the at the BBVA. What did you take of it? Because I did, like I said, there, there's a blog out, a vlog out for anybody that wants to see it. I'll I'll definitely attach it to the to the yeah. to the tweets on on this. You know, when I'm retweeting or when I tweet out this podcast. But uh, yeah, just tell tell us about your experience. I know you've seen it on TV, pictures, etc. Did it live up to the hype that, you know, you probably had in your mind? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it even exceeded expectations. The stadium is absolutely gorgeous. It's beautiful. It, it is the best stadium I've been to so far, uh, like, out of any sport. that I've uh, Like, it's so, so beautiful. I, I loved it. Um, it really looks like, a, like an NFL stadium almost. It's, it's amazing. The stadium is just amazing. And overall, I mean, the experience was, was amazing as well. Uh, the people here were very nice to us. Uh, there's even a, a couple of people that want to take uh, pictures. My friend, because he had the Puebla jersey on, uh, it was it was it was great. I mean, the people were awesome. You know, I, I had heard that uh, they could be a little rowdy, but that wasn't the case at all uh, in this game. Uh, everybody was absolutely helpful. Uh, overall, the stadium, though, I mean, everything was perfect. It's very easy to get to, very accessible. Um, it's beautiful. I mean, the, all the concessions are perfect. Everything's perfect in the stadium. The, the, the team store is amazing as well. Has a lot of nice stuff there. Um, and yeah, overall, I mean, it was just a great experience. They also, uh, it, it really seems like the team tries to uh, do a lot for the fans that go to the stadium. You know, they try to do promotions, like little games and stuff for the fans, the giveaway autographed jerseys at halftime. They really, the team really goes out of their way to, uh, to make sure the fans have a great experience at the stadium. Yeah. Yeah, I wanna I wanted to ask you about the because I know, you know, you also got to got to go to a, a game where Monterrey fans are really not happy with the team, uh, so there was a very low low attendance. But uh, normally, when there's people like from other teams in a in a crowded place in between a lot of Mex uh, Monterrey fans, uh, you know, the guy from the back starts yelling at you, the guy in the right starts yelling at you. Did you have any of that in, 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 in the game, or was it very, uh, you know, nice? 
No, no, like, I was surprised. It was pretty civil. And then uh, me and my friend, like, we did yell, like, the goals for, like, five. Like, we did, like, scream. <laughs> we did scream when they scored. Yeah. Uh, but no, like, there was none of that at all. It was, uh, it was, it was all very civil. I mean, the people were super nice. Uh, to us, uh, and there was quite a few Pueblo fans, uh, you know, sprinkled around the stadium uh, here and there. Mm-hmm. It seems like the people were, I would say, more mad at, the, at Monterrey itself and Diego Alonso, uh, and you know, not at Puebla or are the fans. Uh, the one interaction I did have was actually walking towards the stadium. Uh, a guy in a taxi like yelled at my friend. He was like, "Arriba los rayados." That was that was about it. Yeah. So. Yeah, I just let's let's talk about the matchup. What what did you have any predictions head going in? Like, did were you expecting a loss? Were you hoping for a win, or or would a draw, you know, been been good enough for you? Yeah, actually, I did a preview on the game uh, for the channel that I do about Puebla as well. I actually said that Puebla were going to win two to one. Uh, that's just based on the current situation with Rayados. You know, how the whole Diego Alonso thing is not working out, it looks like right now. Uh, and also based on that Puebla, you know, had really had success at the stadium uh, in recent years. So I was, I was really hopeful heading into this game. Uh, but overall, I mean, I'm not disappointed at all in the, in the result in the, or in the performance uh, shown by the team. It was a really good game. Well, let me tell you something. If it wasn't for our central defender scoring those two goals, your prediction would have been correct, two to one. But uh, we got back to our ways where our central defender has to be the one scoring goals. Uh, for Puebla, it gets a little bit more complicated now after losing. Uh, who I know, I know in the blog you said it, but talk talk to us a little bit about uh, your left back Angulo, because I know you like him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brian Angulo is an incredible player. He's uh, been one of the best uh, left backs in the league. Over the past few years now, uh, but now you know he's really starting to get more attention. Uh, I know, I think it was a couple seasons ago, America was interested in him, uh, but he's just incredible. How he hasn't received the call up to Colombia is is pretty crazy, to be honest with you. Uh, just based on the fact that he has been ex- exceptional for Puebla over the past few years, uh, he's usually a player that likes to go up a lot. I would say his offensive capabilities are better than his defensive capabilities, even though defensively uh, he does give it his all. He's a you know, very hard worker, but offensively, he's just amazing. He has good dribbling, uh, good speed, a uh, very good passing game as well. Uh, he's a very, very good offensive player. Uh, at times, you know, he is the key player for Puebla uh, going forward, and that was definitely shown in this game, you know. Uh, right there, he had uh, the goal, and he had an assist as well. Um, so, yeah, in this game, he was definitely the key player for Puebla offensively. Yeah, I think when we had um, Juan Bouchard, uh a couple of weeks ago, he was really like, you know, me and Pat thought maybe Cavallini is like the intriguing part of, of Puebla, but no, he said that Angulo was is probably more important to him than, than him. He's probably the best player on Puebla, and, you know, I kind of got to see some of that yesterday, so, you know, it, it's, it's pretty crazy that he hasn't left since he said that America was after him, but do you see him Moving on after this tournament, or or what do you what do you what is your gut feeling saying about him? Yeah, right now I think I would say my gut feeling is that he will move on. I mean, I think Tigres, you know, uh, could use a left back there. So I mean, uh, there's a good fit for him. 
America could use him as well. I mean, using Jorge Sanchez as a as a fullback as well, or as a left back, sorry. Uh, he definitely works better as a right back. Uh, so there are a few, you know, uh, teams with a lot of money in the Liga Mekis that could use him. Uh, but yeah, my good feeling is that he will leave soon. If anything, I could see him, uh, you know, uh, getting one more season here at Puebla. But then after that, it, it's just very hard to see him staying at the club. So just to backtrack a little bit, what's the current financial situation with Puebla? Are they good financially? Are they only depending on player sales to try to, you know, improve the roster? What What's going on there? Yeah, there's a lot of questions regarding the ownership right now. I mean, Chelis recently did an interview where he said that the guy that's listed as the owner, which is Manuel Jimenez, isn't actually the owner. Uh, he said that Teve Azteca are the real owners of uh, Puebla. Uh, that's something that's been speculated for a while now. Um, there's still nothing confirmed whether this is true or not, uh, what Chelis said. Uh, but everything indicates, indicates that it is true. Um, overall, though, financially, it seems like the team hasn't really been struggling. Uh, just based on the fact that they have kept on to this core players for a while now. I mean, it's been a few seasons now. They have Cavallini, uh, they have uh, Angulo, they've had uh, Chumacero. Uh, they had these like core players, Bigonis, the goalkeeper. Uh, they had these players for uh, quite a few seasons now. So I would say they're not really banking on selling these players right now. But uh, I would say if the results are just don't show, um, they will start selling soon. Pat, do you uh, want to ask anything? Yeah, I remember last uh, this past summer they were supposed to, or not supposed to, but you know it was a lot of rumors of of a lot of the important players leaving. Um, but uh, for this season, the the weeks that are still left for this season, what do you want to see from Puebla? Uh, you know, uh, anything that can get Puebla fans excited. Yeah, I think uh, as long as this, the team, you know, finishes right around where they usually do 10th to 12th place, uh, I think that'll be good. Uh, I mean, it's not, an, it's not an improvement or anything, uh, but you definitely don't want to see the team, you know, sitting around, you know, anywhere between 14th to 19th. Uh, you definitely don't want to see the team there. Uh, overall, though, I would say I want to see, you know, these players gel together a bit more, even though they've been working together for a few seasons. I just see, you know, what Reynoso could do with this roster, uh, but maybe, maybe, you know, maybe the best thing for the team would be for the team not to do well just so Reynoso doesn't get another season here because I really do, do think he's a step back for the team as a manager. So, yeah, I think that wraps up the, the whole Puebla Rayado section of, of this uh, conversation. Francisco, let's, let's move on to something you're really passionate about, and that is Leagues Cup. MLS and Liga MX. I know I've always see your Twitter account. You know, it's it's uh usually quite active when when those two um conversations come together. So let let's just let let me tee you off on this. What exactly did you think when there was talks about a possible Liga MX MLS? You know, uh, I, I want to call it. You know, uh merger if you if you want to call it that yeah yeah definitely uh a topic uh that's quite interesting right uh but initially like i was kind of excited initially just because they were hyping it up to be something that was a little better than what we saw uh they were hyping it up to be like some kind of league or something along those lines something bigger uh but then we got the least cup which 
is terrible. I mean, the, the thing that really makes it worse is that the MLS teams don't take it seriously at all. I mean, it's pointless. It's absolutely pointless when LA Galaxy uses their, you know, their B squad or when all these teams use their B squad, even like a team like Chicago Fire, you know, use their B squad. It's, it's absolutely pointless. It, it really works me up. I mean, it's absolutely pointless. I mean, it's like the Interliga that they had a few years mm-hmm. ago, which was just a cash grab, really. And again, this League's Cup is just a cash grab. And it really halts the progression of Mexican soccer, in my opinion. I mean, as of now, uh, there's no competition, I would say, realistically, between Liga MX teams or the top Liga MX teams and the top uh, MLS teams uh, as of now. I mean, maybe in the near future, maybe you know, five years, uh, we could see a bit more competition. But as of now, uh, there's a competition, especially you know when MLS teams aren't using their, their starters. And I know Cholos were were one of the Liga MX that took part in this uh, inaugural tournament, and I know you cover cover that club. So did 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 Tijuana did they take it seriously? I know they think they played Galaxy, if I'm not mistaken, in that you know first round of matches. So did did Cholos bring up their A squad to play the Galaxy? Yes, they did, and I believe that was because uh, Liga MX president Enrique Bonilla had actually uh, told you know Liga MX teams. Uh, to take this seriously and to, uh, you know, start their key players. I believe that's what had happened. And, yeah, I mean, Cholos essentially used their, you know, their A squad. They actually played Puebla in week one. Uh, they beat them 3-1. Uh, to one, And then they used that that same exact uh, start 11 against the Galaxy. And then, yeah, they lost in penalties. What do you do? You think this is gonna last? This leaks cup? Do you see it going on five years from now? It's still a thing, or do you think that it, it's gonna be here a couple years and then it will, you know, it'll disappear? No, I'm actually I'm very fearful that this will go on for quite a few years now. I mean, there's already it's already confirmed that it's gonna expand to 16 teams uh, next next year, which is already you know pretty dreadful to think about. Um, another big thing about the League's Cup that I don't like is we do not know the, the parameters at all why these four teams were chosen uh, for the Cup or and also the Liga Mekis or the MLS teams as well. We do not know, you know, why these teams were chosen. It was just, you know, based on popularity for some of them, of course, uh, but there's absolutely no parameters at all. Um, hopefully uh, there is parameters uh, in the next edition of it at least um, because if not, it, it, it also makes it uh, kind of, you know, a lot, of, a lot of questions surrounding it. Uh, but I, I am fearful that it will last for a few years. Um, I really think right now it's just, you know, CONCACAF, uh, you know, MLS, uh, they're just really focusing on getting all the money they can out of Mexican teams and the Mexican national team as well. Yeah. For me, it's just like, isn't the the CCL enough? You know, I, I get it. I know it's a cash grab. I know it's money. And I know they're, I know they, they're trying to make even more, but it's like, I'm just in my naive world. I'm talking more about competitive because like I, I, I tweeted out if your biggest competition or your biggest, yeah, I'm just talking about development wise and trying to see how good your club is or your squad is. I don't think MLS is, there's a couple of teams. I'm not going to bash the whole league. Um, there's like a couple, four or five teams that maybe can go toe to toe, but I don't think they'll beat Liga Mekis. But do you think that the, the CCL is enough for, you know, for us Liga Mekis fans to see, you know, the clubs play MLS clubs? 
Yeah, most definitely, just because of the fact that, you know, in TCL, I mean, it's basically Liga Mekis and MLS teams, uh, what it comes down to in the final stages, uh, none of these other teams really have a chance, really, uh, when you look at it. I mean, you know, um, if, you know, MLS still has a, lot, a long way to go to reach uh, the level of Liga Mekis, you know, these other teams, you know, from these other uh, CONCACAF nations, like, you know, Central American nations, they have way longer road to go to get to, you know, to even be able to compete with, you know, MLS teams. So, yeah, overall, I mean, this is where you see a lot more interest also from MLS clubs and these competitions or in the CCL specifically. And I think this is where you get uh, the best encounters between Liga Mekis and MLS clubs. Let me let me go back to that merger that was brought up by uh, in Tom Marshall's article. What is your just when you saw or when you read that article, what did you think? Like, because I don't think it's a smart idea, but I mean, money talks. If if they can make enough money or a good amount of cash, I don't think you know the purity of the of of the sport or or what we or we, we fans want is going to matter to them. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree with you right there. I mean, if there's enough money, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I guess everything is possible with enough money. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, it just, it really frustrates me uh, when looking at that type of stuff just because, again, it's just really, it boils down now to making money, which I don't really think League of these clubs need more money, to be honest with you. I mean, you look at all these owners there, Filthy rich, you know. You look at um, all the higher ups in each league. I make his team. They they're making a lot, a lot of money, especially especially compared to what other clubs making the Americas in general, just uh, across South America and Central America and everything. Do you think a, a merger league like MLS League I make would work? Because, I mean, say Toronto, you know, they're they're playing in Canada, and they play Veracruz one week. Do you did you just see this all working out? Because I mean, the whole issue with, you know, Liga MX playing in the Copa Libertadores, or well, one of the main issues, is because, you know, Argentinian teams kind of hated traveling to Mexico because of the, the amount of hours it took them. That That's why I'm kind of skeptical on the whole league merge, and I get it that maybe they can manipulate the schedules where clubs can play certain certain clubs and, you know, you know manipulate the, the, the travel. But do you see it working? No, it definitely seems tough, uh, especially when you consider also, you know, these meetings with the owners and all that, all of that stuff as well. I mean, when you have, you know, owners like Fidel Curi in the league, I mean, <laughs> there's going to be some, <laughs> you know, some discussion there, especially from MLS clubs. I mean, you know, Liga Mekis, you know, it's a decent league, but when you look at some of the stuff like in terms of with the owners, some of the shadiness, it's still there. It's definitely still there. <laughs> And with MLS, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess the, the, the football, you know, the soccer, that's still has a way to go. But in terms of the organization, everything regarding that, I mean, it's, it's, all, it's all up to date. And Liga Mekis, in terms of that, is a bit, um, you know, far off. Yeah, because there's just, you know, Liga Mekis has its own set of rules when it comes to, like, money you can spend, um foreign players etc and then you look at mls i think they have like a a lower number of foreign players you can have and then they have the salary cap and we're you know rayos are a filthy rich team you know if, if you're gonna 
I think if you were to ask us to put a salary cap or or, or a cap on how much we can spend, ninety nine percent of the fans are going to revolt and be unhappy, and I'm pretty sure ownership is going to be like, no, we'll get that out of our faces. We can spend how much money we want. So this is why it, I, I it, it's just more how are you know different rules, different things. Is there going to be a pro rel because? There's just way too many teams if it, if it's all going to be like, you know, the, the MLS and the IMEC is just way too many teams for, for a, you know, a, a good a good league. So it's just, I think it's just maybe pie in the sky. But like we've said, if there's money to be made, they're going to sit at the table and hammer something out. So, like, I, I'm just fearful that money's going to be the, the, the number one priority and not you know, the development of players because like we've talked about, you know, MLS is MLS and for Liga Mekis, if you want your young players to improve or, or you want to test your squad to see how strong it is, I mean, you're pretty much going to test it out against your own, you know, clubs in your league and MLS and you really can't tell how good you are. Um, I'm not sure if you share, if you share that same sentiment. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, there's a lot of stuff to work out if this is going to work out. I mean, also, when we think of stuff like broadcast rights, all this all this other stuff. I mean, there's a ton of stuff. And does it seem unlike- unlikely? Yes. I mean, it seems very, very unlikely. Um, but again, you bring up the, you know, the money thing. And I think a lot of owners in Liga Mekis do care about money, do prioritize, uh, you know, making money. And that's definitely worrying when you think about it. Uh, because, I mean, we would want nothing more than to see, you know, Liga Mekis teams back in Liga Artelores. That's what we want. I mean, we want to get the respect of, you know, the Argentine fans, of the players, of the South American fans, the players. Not, we don't care, you know, about getting the respect of, you know, the MLS fans and players, really. Pat, you want to add anything? Yeah, I agree with that. And it seems very unlikely, but I'm sure they'll figure out a way to come up with something, you know, just because they know what the market and they know it's going to work out or it's going to be watched, or it's going to be attended to, So, and there's going to be sponsors. Uh, but, you know, it's funny how we are adding cups and leagues and stuff like that to our to our soccer, where, for example, in France the other day, they eliminated, uh, the, uh, is it the Coupe de la Ligue or the Coupe de France? Uh, Coupe de la Ligue. Coupe de la Ligue, they eliminated. I'm sure uh, English football is going to eliminate one of the cups. It just seems that's too much football, and you got to take care of your primary uh, primary you know product which is a player no you want, you don't want to have him flying all over town and all over the country and another country and having some play in meaningful meaningful games because the owner of the league or the president of the league says hey you got to put every player every good player so uh, you know but that's mexican soccer where we don't really do the logical part we go more for the money but um I don't think they'll last a lot, these cups. I'm sure they'll come to a conclusion where they'll, you know, be, they'll think about the player, I'm sure. But that's just, I just wanted to say that point of view, seeing how European football is taking care of their players, eliminating games instead of adding games to them. Uh, I, the, Francisco, do you think that Mexican clubs will go back to the Libertadores eventually one day because right now it doesn't seem like it's going to happen anytime soon because 
I mean, if you look at it, you know, like we, we've we've talked to some people, and or I've seen some tweets as well. The South American, you know, clubs, fans, whatever, they don't really miss the Mexican, you know, clubs and fans. So it's like, okay, right now it's it's definitely not going to happen. But you never know. In five years, ten years, these you know, Conmebol looks at the numbers in the United States, looks at the money that that they're bringing in or, or Mexican clubs can bring in when it, when they play and they'll say, Hey, we want a, a piece of that pie. Do you think that eventually we'll see them back in Libertadores, you know, maybe not in the distant future, but you know, down the road. Uh, yeah, I could, I could definitely see it happening. I mean, it's something that at the end of the day, I really think it's something that Liga Mekis owners, uh, you know, really want to do because, Okay, there is the money aspect that you could get with the MLS teams and making these tournaments and everything. But then when you look at also, you know, in terms of Libertadores, there's also money aspect as well in there. And there's also the fact that, uh, the fact that you know, Liga Mekis doesn't have Libertadores right now that also strays away certain players from the league. And, you know, they really, you know, dampers the quality of the league in general of the Liga Mekis uh, because a lot of players are like, oh, uh, you know, Liga Mekis teams don't have Libertadores, don't want to go to that league. Um, but yeah, I could definitely see it happening, uh, but I am fearful that it'll take a long time. I mean, by the earliest I could see is like in 10 years, because I don't see it happening in five years, yeah. uh, which especially, you know, 10 years from now, is, it's a lot. Yeah, especially like right now they're adding leagues and they're adding cups and they're expanding them. So that's another way of, of saying, hey, well, they're clearly not thinking about Libertadores, they're thinking more on the North American market and it's not helpful for the, Ameri- or the Mexican teams. Because of what you said, we don't get those top, top quality players because a lot of them really just want to play Libertadores. So they'll prefer to, you know, earn le- less money, but go to play Libertadores. Yeah, yeah. And and if you guys saw Daniel De Rossi, who played for Roma, you know, his main objective of going to Boca was to play in the Libertadores. And a lot of European teams, you know, fans... You know, they may not know, you know, they may not follow the, the South American leagues respectively um, as close. But, you know, they, they, I'm pretty sure if they're a huge soccer fan, they know the the, the Libertadores. Like, they, they are well aware of what that trophy is and, and the amount of prestige it comes with it. I mean, obviously, the second leg was held in Madrid, you know, so it it, it kind of has that aura to it and... You know, I just want to see Mexican clubs back in it eventually down the road. Um, like you said, Pat, I don't think, and, and Francisco, you guys said, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen in the five years just because they're committed to this um, Leagues Cup and trying to grow it, grow with MLS. But also the CONCACAF uh, president or, or whatever officials, they're they're trying to grow CONCACAF and, and all that. So it's just Mexico is kind of unlucky that they're, stuck in CONCACAF and they're not able to you know try to grow on its own but you know I I wanted to ask you Francisco how do you think these games with MLS help the development of young Mexican players and help test the squad's strength of each club well right now I don't really think it is helping just because of the fact that what I mentioned you know that Enrique Bonilla had said uh, for you know the teams to use their top players. So there isn't really, you know, any 
there isn't a lot of rotations going on. There isn't a lot of young players being used uh, just because of the fact that a lot of the teams use their top squads, their starting 11s in this League's Cup. So right now, I mean, the fact that Liga Mekis teams are almost being forced to use their starting, you know, players is actually a bad thing uh, for the younger players because you would say, oh, there's a League's Cup game coming up, a good opportunity for a younger player to play, like a Copa Mekis game almost. Uh, But no, you know... uh, because of what Bonilla said, that these are official games, that these needs to be taken seriously. And now the manager has to basically go out with, you know, his, his full squad out there. And he may not be able to give, you know, some of the younger players a chance to play in these games. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, we'll see how this ends up happening. I, I, I mean... It kind of exposed the only thing I like about this League Cup and the CCL is that it exposes Liga Mekis clubs to the North American, you know, fans who aren't familiar with the Liga Mekis. Because I mean, we kind of talked about this a little bit, you know, a lot of clubs or, or a handful of clubs only have English language accounts to try and grow their brand, grow their, grow their reach. Do you think that? Or what do you think more clubs, aside from starting English accounts and, and, and all that, need to do to try and grow their presence in the U.S.? Because me and Pat, we've had this, this discussion primarily with, with Rayados because they're one of the top clubs in the league, but their reach is only Monterrey and then areas of Texas. And this team should that you know they they need to, we said this they need to get out of their comfort zone start experimenting with stuff to try to grow their brand because they're going to be in the the club world cup so that's going to be helping them expose you know other people to to them or 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 vice versa how do you think other league i make these clubs should try to grow their their brand uh, especially with this you know league's cup that's here to stay in north america yeah, I mean, you know, it is a chance to grow uh, their brands, I would say. That is a good point there uh, in terms of that. Um, you also see, you know, this year, a lot of Liga Mekis teams uh, doing a lot, a lot more friendlies in the U.S., uh, more than usual. Uh, definitely saw that this year. Um, yeah, yeah, didn't uh, Puebla didn't Puebla play D.C. United in, in Washington, or was it that they yeah. go to Puebla? Yeah, yeah, it was in D.C. They played uh, D.C. United. Uh, Wayne Rooney even played in that match, but yeah. Uh, See, I, I even Puebla, you see, you know? that's the, I was going to say, that. why don't they have, like, you know, they, that would have been really cool. I, you know, give me, you know, Puebla went all the way to D.C. At least, you know, give us Wayne Rooney for a half, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely. And um, I think, yeah, those are, you know, small steps to, you know, getting a bit more of an audience there. Um, also, uh, I would say the first step is, you know, creating those English accounts. I mean, it's it's pretty ridiculous that, you know, Teams like Vallados, like Tigres, like uh, Chivas, uh, they don't have English official English accounts. I mean, it's, it's pretty ridiculous at this point. I mean, Vallados, as soon as they signed Jansen, they should have just been like, all right, let's create an English account, let's create English content because they can get English, you know, with Vincent Jansen. So, I mean, uh, it was like Leon, you know, Leon, they barely created their English account, uh, but they should have done it as soon as they signed Landon Donovan, just because yeah. that would have been such a big opportunity there to to pump out content in English, to pump out content in English. But no, they barely started, they decided to start their English, their English account uh, this season. And, didn't and I mean, Puebla that could have been like, so much didn't followers. Didn't have like the Marcus Beasley, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, they did have the Marcus Beasley a few years ago. Um, 
when he was actually, you know, a key player with the national team as well. I mean, so these, t- these types of signings, you know, they really can be, you know, the stepping stone to generating fans, you know, in other countries and English-speaking countries. And, you know, the teams really, really need to jump on it in terms of uh, their accounts and their content. Yeah. yeah, and you cover, like I said, you cover Cholos, and Cholos has an English-speaking account. Can you, like, maybe talk, of that, talk about that a little bit and how that's helped grow, you know, Cholos you know, people in, in San Diego, for et cetera, non-Mexican people, you know, uh, coming to the club or going to, to games and, and just, you know, rallying around that. Like, how does that, um, you know, having English content help that club? Oh, it's huge. It's absolutely huge. Uh, Ivan Orozco, uh, he runs the account. He does such a great job uh, doing all the English content there for the team. Uh, he's the English uh, press manager. Uh, but yeah. Uh, does an absolutely wonderful job. Uh, he handles all the English-speaking press there at the stadium. And in terms of the fans, I mean, it's something big for them, you know, because for Cholos, uh, at each game, I believe they get right around 30% fans coming from the U.S. Uh, for each game. Uh, and, they're, you know, the stadium fills up each game. There's around, you know, 27,000 people at each match. And, yeah, it's huge. I mean, you see uh, the supporters group. There's a supporters group called uh, Gringo Cholos uh, there. Uh, which has grown over the years. They've even, they've even made trips out, you know, uh, to away games. I saw them once in Puebla, you know, when Puebla uh, played Cholos. I saw them out there. Um, and then they have watch parties for the away games as well, uh, down in, in certain parts in San Diego. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's definitely helped grow the fan base there in San Diego. Uh, that's been huge, you know, for the community down there. Pat, do you want to ask anything on that? No, I think... Um... You uh, um, Francisco kind of explained the whole thing very well, Rayos, uh, especially with all the fans they have in Texas. They have the Club World Cup coming up. Uh, you know, it's a way to internationalize your your brand. Uh, but uh, me and Eddie are are trying to make them see that hey, this can really work. I mean, we're just a podcast. We're nothing official, and we have a you know the podcast has a lot of followers. That people are really interested in this content for some reason but they are and um you know it's it's just a way to keep growing what what we consider our club and we want them to succeed and grow and everything but not only that but Liga MX as a whole I saw so yeah what you're doing uh with you know Twitter in English but also the vlogs I know you do them in Spanish but you know it, it really helps with the whole thing that you're doing and uh, it's really cool because it's some it's the same thing like we're trying to do which just grow our clubs and say be it in english or in spanish but just talk about our clubs and make the whole thing grow so uh, it was really a really cool really cool to have you here and talk uh, about not only puebla but liga mex in english as a whole i also want to ask you this francisco like do you got any like people who are like within the club or close to the club saying what you know like do they notice that you're covering the club in english or or any reporters or or what's the reaction from people in puebla to what you're doing you know initially when i just started the account there was certain comments like oh why do we need an english come from like certain people in puebla like uh but now you know it's it's actually it's changed a lot you know a lot of positive comments um initially there was you know that kind of thing uh, but now, you know, it's super, it's very positive. Uh, you know, people do appreciate the coverage. And yeah, I mean, I've been messaged by the club directly. I've uh, been talked 
uh, by certain people there in the club, and they said they appreciate the coverage in English um, and all that stuff. They, they've, they've told me before, you know, uh, through messages and all this stuff, um, and that's great to see. I mean, that's just great to see because I, I don't do this for, you know, anything, the English coverage of Puebla. I mean, I don't get paid for it at all. Um, I just do it because I like the club and I want there to be that coverage out there, you know, for people that perhaps uh, follow the club but are more comfortable, you know, speaking about the club in English. I do that for them. And um, but it's nice, you know, to see that there has been, you know, a little bit of recognition there from the club. Has there any been like because I know, when, like I said, when, when like you were saying, when Vincent Janssen signed, I got a lot of people who follow the you know Spurs uh, here in the U.S. They were, you know, I got I got like a, a not not a lot, but like a good handful of people just started following us because they wanted to track you know how Janssen was doing. Have you had any type of like I, I know Puebla hasn't signed like a recognizable player who probably speaks English since probably Demarcus Beasley, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe Cavallini. Maybe you get some Canadians, but have you seen like? you know, a handful of people who aren't Mexican start following your account or, or just start talking about the club? Yeah, there has been uh, people from Canada uh, because of Cavallini. Uh, bad thing with Cavallini is he's not uh, very open to the press. Uh, he actually, in the time I've been in Puebla, he has absolutely never, never, never talked in the mix zone whatsoever. Um, I've tried to approach him every single time in English. Uh, no luck yet, uh, but maybe I'll try to organize an official you know, interview with the club and everything. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's the bad thing about Cavallini. He's not very open to the press. But yeah, I mean, there has been people from Canada that follow the account that are interested in uh, Lucas Cavallini. Yeah, that I, I was. Yeah, uh, Cavallini slips my mind. But like, do do the does the, does he just talk in Spanish? Or I know I've seen your tweets that he doesn't say much, or or maybe he doesn't like make himself available a lot to the media. But how come Puebla hasn't jumped on trying to like? garner a lot of Canadian support you know I'm pretty sure uh, they probably follow either TFC impact or the Whitecaps but why hasn't Puebla tried to like hey if you're if you want to follow a Mexican club follow us yeah I mean and also you know I don't know if you saw but Canada recently started you know um, broadcasting Liga Mekis games as well uh, which is kind of big news up there uh, so yeah I mean right now more than ever was the perfect time for Puebla to pump out this content uh, just because, you know, now, you know, Canada is, you know, getting broadcast of Liga Mekis games. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Puebla should take more advantage of it. And, yeah, I mean, in terms of Cavallini, he, he just, I, I don't know, I think he just is, isn't really comfortable um, in front of the camera, uh, speaking to the press. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, don't fault him for it at all. But, I mean, it would, be, it would definitely be nice if he was a little bit more open. You need to talk with Mercedes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, she's great. She's great out there. Um, has been yeah. super, super helpful uh, ever since we came to Puebla. Uh, definitely one of the most helpful uh, press managers in the whole league. Yeah, I agree with you. I've talked with her a couple of times before, and uh, she's definitely the easiest, the most uh, easy to talk with uh, person in probably Liga Next as a whole. Uh, yeah, 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 definitely. definitely. should definitely set up something with Cavalini. That would be a really cool content. Yeah, I would love to do it soon. And you gotta find out. You gotta find out who runs that Twitter account because they were on fire yesterday and today. I don't know if you <laughs> oh, know. Who, I don't know if you know who runs that Twitter account, but I'm pretty sure a lot of Rivals fans right now that are listening to this 
probably want me to ask you do you know who runs that twitter account because they were they were start, they were throwing out fire tweets yesterday oh man yeah they're amazing they are amazing i mean that noel tweet was absolutely <laughs> incredible um but yeah i'm pretty sure it's a guy named rodrigo alanis i can't confirm 100% of it's him i'll need to ask him next time i'm at the stadium but as soon as i find out i will definitely um <laughs> Might inform you who runs the account. My yeah. personal favorite one was yesterday: a penalty awarded to Monterrey. Oh. <laughs> yes, Please, yeah. take it. <laughs> that was the funniest. Oh one. my yeah. god! Yeah, that was hilarious. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, Puebla's, you know, for for a, a you know a regular mid-table club, you know, they've they've. I wanted to ask you one more thing um, because, like, we had Juan. Bouchade, and and he gave us a story of how Puebla helped him get a good grade in, while he was in school because the professor felt bad for him because Puebla's brought him a lot of a lot of pain. I wasn't as uh, has Puebla helped you, you know, in any career school wise where people kind of felt bad for you because Puebla has brought you. Well, I don't know if Francisco knows the context. Context and Juan Juan works in Monterrey, so in Monterrey. His, in his university, there was Monterey and Tigre supporters, and he was the only Puebla one. So the teacher was like, hey, you know, I'll help out the Puebla guy. I don't know. Just to give you context. <laughs> um, so far, uh, it really hasn't happened. I mean, there's been actually, well, over there in Tijuana, I did meet a few uh, Puebla supporters who were also journalists, and that kind of helped a little bit about some connections uh, but in terms of someone feeling bad for me because I support someone like <laughs> give me a chance that okay. hasn't happened yet but I'm almost sure it's bound to happen um, yeah. like even in Puebla I mean there's a lot of America fans there's a lot of uh, Azul fans Pumas fans Chivas fans um, so I'm sure it's bound to happen at some point um, it does, the team has definitely made me suffer already in the short time that I've been uh, following the club uh, it's made me suffer a lot over the past few years I mean even like even last night, I mean, um, I was happy overall with the game, but I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it, it did make me suffer a little bit last night. <laughs> uh, yeah. Pat, Pat, anything else before we let him go that you want to ask? No, not ask, but just say again, follow Francisco. He's a great follow, not only for Puebla and for Liga MX in English, but uh, soccer in general. Uh, and thanks for, for coming in with us tonight. It was a really cool chat. Hey, I thank you, Patrick. I really appreciate it. I appreciate all you guys, uh, really everything you, you do. Uh, great, great content. I always love uh, following uh, all your guys' stuff. And I mean, it was great to be here. Uh, really, really appreciate the opportunity, guys. Yeah, no, it, it's ours because, you know, you bring in really great insight from Puebla. Um, I enjoy when you get at it with some of the uh, Mexicans who are MLS apologists. I know you get in, you get into it with Amy. You get into it uh, with. Um, yeah. She doesn't even follow us, so I gotta tell her to follow us. So yeah, you get into it with a lot of. I, I'm not gonna say you're trying to troll them, but you get. I always get a kick out of those tweets when you're going at it with, with them when they're trying to say, "Hey, this is this isn't as bad as you know people might think when it comes to like Liga MX and MLS um, playing together." So. You know, those are those are, and whenever I see MLS Liga Mekis news, I always um, head to your Twitter account to see if you've already, you know, started firing up some 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 spicy tweets on, on that. But yeah, like Pat said, we appreciate you coming on, and 
and just giving us the insight um, on Puebla and then just your experience at the BBVA. And then, like I said, I'll, I'll attach the, the vlog to this uh, podcast episode. So again, you know, I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, guys. Again, uh, I really, really appreciate it. And, you know, thanks a ton. All right, man. You have a good night. Thanks, guys. Good night. Uh, before we go, Pat, you said you wanted to throw out some news, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. So, a couple, uh, I actually also remembered another uh, thing. I don't know. There was a lot of controversy today. Uh, I don't know if you saw it, where there was a video that surfaced with uh, uh, members of Tigres. Oh, staff. yeah. I saw that. That. What do you think? Because... Uh... I want to see what Okay, there, hold on. There's two videos. Uh, obviously, if you listen to the second segment, Rompas is going to talk about the fights that went on yesterday. So right. he's going to cover that. So because we're not talking about doesn't mean because we're not talking about it. Doesn't mean we're not covering it. I, I said, hey, you take care of it. That's your thing. Talk about that. So, but back to onto that. That is, this is I'm I'm trying to convert it back to um, like Americans because I used to work um, for the Anaheim Ducks. Um, which is, you know, the hockey club. And I would always see rival executives on the business, you know. I, 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 if I'm not mistaken, because I'm trying to go off with the tweets that people said. It, it said that those are the entrances for the players and the, and the, and the you know, and management, whatever, you know. And... I kind of have a problem with that. I mean, like if they want to sit in the business, like you know, the VIP areas of the of the of the of the stadium, I don't have a problem with that. What I do have a problem is that they're using, you know, management player stuff to get, you know, maneuver around the the stadium. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I do have a problem with that. Like I guess I don't. If they want to scout. Go ahead, pay for your ticket. You know, pay, you know, pay the the suites or whatever you want to pay for. But you know, use the entrances that either the regular people use or the VIP people use. Don't use, you know, player and management, you know, for lack of a better word, facilities. I mean, for me, it's uh, for me. They're super exaggerating stuff. I mean. Every team scouts the other team. Um, if Rayados wants to be nice enough to lend them, you know, the stadium to to see closer, not only Rayados but Puebla. I mean, I don't see it as, as 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 bad as it is now. With what they're saying that most of our uh, executives are Tigres, you know, there's that's that's kind of a rumor that's always been there that our executives are, are actually Tigres fans you know it makes it blow up a little more where they say no uh, we're getting destroyed from the inside and blah 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 I don't have any information about any of that so I'm, I have no idea about anything and uh, I don't get it and I don't get why uh, they're making such a fuss about you know, somebody going to watch a soccer game that's my position yeah I mean I, I see your point, and most of it I do. Like ninety percent of it, I agree with you. It's just that it's a bad look when when you see a a right. You know, like for example, you wouldn't 
I'm not too familiar with this, but I don't know if Barcelona fans or Barcelona would allow Real Madrid scouts or, you know, yeah, scouts use entrances that primarily are for players and management, you know, so I'm not sure. I, I, I gotta, I gotta get a feel it. I gotta feel, I gotta get a feel for it from the other, you know, fans. If, if have they seen this type of stuff? Because, like I said, working with the Ducks, I've seen, you know, management for the other teams, like on the suites, like the suite areas. You know, like they'll they'll either be in the press, not if they're not in the press area where they can be alone, they'll be in the VIP areas, you know, where the the common fan is doesn't have a lot of access to. So, um, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, um, is it a huge deal? Not really, but it's not a good look, you know. So, that's just my opinion on that. Yeah, and um, and you know, if I hate something else a little bit more, is letting Tigres come in with their um. With the, you, you remember in the finals where they put their 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 mantas? Yeah. Messages that I hate. That yeah, that I hate too. Yeah, that yeah. I, thing, yeah, it's part of the job, and they let people from uh, scouts from every single team come in. So another one, uh, yeah, yeah, their biggest rival, but it's it, it's just. It's just another team. Yeah, it, it's just I, I like I said, it's not a good look. I'm pretty sure there's other VIP entrances that they can use. You know that yeah. that the, the the regular fans don't have access to. You know, just have them use those. Like it's just, and, and I don't know who was recording it, but you know, like just, I don't know if it was somebody was recording it to prove a point or whatever, and say, hey, look, Rayados are letting us use this. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I'd say. It, it it's a not a big 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 deal, but like I said, it's not a good luck. And for the news part, it's uh, you know this can happen. It's not confirmed, but I think we have to get ready for Stefan Medina leaving Monterey after this season. Um, yeah. He's, so he's he's, he's he's the only defender I trust right now. <laughs> he's the only defender that I trust. Like. Like, like when he was playing right back yesterday, it, I I was like, okay, he's playing great. Like he he's like you don't have to worry about him defensively, and I I think I saw him make a really good long ball pass to Maxi Messa where, you know, it just looked really beautiful and like and yeah, I I I, I know eventually so, if a European yeah. club comes calming or yeah. like maybe maybe because. They have this power and and can use Libertadores, but like Boca or River or Flamengo or like one of the huge clubs that have just as much as money as as Rayados can afford to pay, you know, whatever release clause that he has. Yeah. So I don't know if you saw it. I don't think so because I tweeted just like a minute before we got into this podcast, but I tweeted some news about Ventura Alvarado, not Ventura de Rayados. And that his uh, he might leave Necaxa to go to Europe. Uh, they're talking with teams over there, blah blah blah. But uh, they're just talks, and one of those talks include uh, 
not European teams, and one of those includes Rayados. Because um, Rayados is already thinking on a possibility of Stefan Linet uh, leaving, and Ventura Alvarado can be uh, that guy that comes in uh, to replace him, I guess. You can put it that way, but he is going to be offered to Rayados at some point, Ventura Alvarado. Just a matter of uh, what happens in Europe with his agent, and plus what happens with Stefan Mena. Because if Stefan Mena commits, of course they'll not go for him. And to add to this, this is, this will not be the first time they actually talk with Ventura Alvarado or with his agent, or it will, it's not going to be the first time that there's actual interest. Because when Mohamed was the coach at the team, uh, he wanted Ventura Alvarado. Uh, but they just didn't bring it for him. So, yeah, that can happen. Yeah. It was, yeah. So I'm just, I'm just like we were talking about this yesterday, like on on messaging. You know, he pretty much off defensively, um, and tactically, he's pretty much, you know, just by the numbers, he's he's pure image of Stefan Medina. Stefan Medina is only better at being a part of the offense, like distributing the ball from the back. And, and all that stuff. So um, Stefan Medina is just a little bit better there. But I, I, I just want an overhaul of this defense. Like, and there was, like I said, aside from Stefan Medina, I don't trust anybody. You know, like, I don't trust Gallardo. I don't trust Layun. I don't trust Nico Sanchez defending. Like, I'm just strictly talking defending. You know, like, I don't uh-huh. trust any of them to defend. Their, I mean, yesterday we saw Nico Sanchez get beat by Cavallini, you know, just because Nico Sanchez couldn't, you know, hold his position or whatever. But he was beat there, and we saw him struggle plenty of times defensively. Like, the guy, like I tweeted out, is there any way we can just put him on offense where he can just focus on goal scoring? Because defending, not as, not as, does more harm than good there, you know? So, yeah, I, I just want an overhaul of this defense. Like, if we can, uh, I, 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 I don't mind having, you know, fullbacks that can, mainly focus on defending more so than trying to be part of the attack. Like, we have plenty of of offense. As long as they can get the ball to the midfielders and midfielders can take it from there, that's all I ask. Like, you don't... Uh, do I want fullbacks that can jump? Yes, but, like, 80% of the time they find themselves up the pitch? No, like, you know, like, Gallardo had a really good cross. You know, that's really great. Um, but... When it comes to defending, it's kind of hard to watch him defend his position. And, you know, I, I, like I said, I just want to overhaul this defense because it's not good. You're not going to win anything with this defense. Yeah, I agree. We In January, I think we should do like a little overhaul. I, everybody should be defender. Everybody should be. Every purchase that they buy should be a defender. Like, I, like offense, they have plenty of that, you know. Two or three goals should be, and they can score two or three goals, and that should be enough to win the match. You shouldn't be allowing your opponents, like blah blah, to score two goals on you. You know, so for me, and I would like to see them sell off players. It's going to be a little harder because some of them uh, have really high wages. You know, and this is what I kind of hate. Like, why are you paying high wages for average players? You know. So, and that kind of haunts you when you're trying to sell them. Like, nobody is going to be able to afford to pay Aviles what Dialos are paying him, you know, unless you sell them to, like, a big club. You know, you can't sell them to, um, say, Veracruz, for example. You know, they're not going to be able to pay his wages, you know. So, we'll yeah. see. We'll see. Yeah, but, yeah, like... yeah. but there's definitely uh, an overhaul that's needed. And, um, 
uh, I haven't seen any names pop up in the news or in rumors, so that's pretty. I don't know. I don't know. Hopefully they do buy. Some. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully they start picking up next month, you know, or we'll see because we 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 need an overhaul of this defense. Like this defense cannot come back in no. for the closer. And obviously this defense is going to be at the Club World Cup because I don't see it. Obviously the January window doesn't open until January, and the Club World Cup is in December. So you know, hopefully they can play there and, and put in a good effort, but. Yeah, we need at least three, maybe four to new defenders. And I would give some kids from the Fuerzas Basicas a chance to play because I, I, if Stefan Medina leaves, I wouldn't guarantee anybody else a position. Like, you know, you got to earn that position. You know, yeah. I wouldn't just because, oh, yeah, you're making this amount of money. I'm sorry. Well, you suck at defending, you know, so. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah, we need uh, to watch out for that one. Because if Stefan leaves in December, we're, we're we're in a tough position for sure. You know, this is not to just bring this topic up, but this is where not having Libertadores hurts because you could be able to keep these players because you're in a really top tournament. Like, yeah. yes, the league is important, but what else can you offer me? You know, and it's just mm -hmm. like, well. I can't yeah. offer you anything else because we're not e we're not even in the CCL. Like I hate this dumb rule where the champion is not there again. Like that's it's I, so stupid. It's stupid. It's this is why I hate that tournament a lot. It's just like bring back the champion. You know, it's just you know. Yeah. And, also, because uh, because I mean the, that's the other thing that kind of keeps these players yeah, apart from the league. It's not the Concacaf Champions League, but it's the possibility of going to a Club World Cup. Uh, so <laughs> it's more complicated, you know. But, uh, yeah, because after that, after December, there's really not much else to look forward to in the Klaus Hudak. You're not in anything international. Yeah. You know, Copa America is not going to want to keep Stefan Medina, and you just have the league, and that's it, you know? Yeah. Like, what entices players in Europe, and I'm pretty sure players have the same mentality here, is that, hey, we just qualify for the Champions League, you know? They, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Or, or so, if, uh, if, if, a, if a team fails to qualify for the Champions League, a player is like, you know what? I want to go to a either a place that's going to pay me more or is qualified for the for the yeah. Champions League. So it's, uh, I think, a little bit of an urgent matter for us to go back to Libertadores, but I'm with Francisco on that one where I don't know if it's coming very soon. Yeah, and I don't, I don't mind the CCL, but they got to scrap that stupid rule where they don't have the champion back in there. Like, that's, mm -hmm. like, what kind of tournament doesn't have the champion back in there to defend it? You know, it's... It's like get get your shit together. You wanna not allow Mexican clubs to the Libertadores? Well, change yeah. your you know change some of the dumb rules you have in your in your tournament. But but yeah, I mean we had a good discussion, a good hour and a half. It's probably gonna be like about an hour fifty with Rompa segment and thrown in there. But yeah, I mean we have a double double jornada. Um, we I, I I'm not this isn't anything confirmed, but I don't know if we're, we might do something to cover Cruz Azul. Just to have that on its own during the week, and then that way we can focus mainly on the Clásico Regio. Um, we'll talk it over and see what what happens there. Just because I feel yeah. like like we said, the Clásico Regio deserves its own thing. Like I don't want to talk about Cruz Azul. Yeah, you know that podcast episode. I want that just to be Tigres and Andrados. So if we might do like a thirty minute podcast on Thursday or whatever or Wednesday night. Um, 
to recap that just because we can get that out of the way and then next weekend we can just focus on Tigres Sorayado. So, you know, we'll 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 talk about it, we'll see what we do. But yeah, I mean Pat, anything you want to add before we go? Um not that I can think of. Uh, just uh looking forward for this week because it's a complicated one for us. But uh if we get out of it alive it's going to get our hopes up. So hopefully that happens. Yeah, and you kind of need it because you've had a bad week with Barcelona drawing to uh, Dortmund away and then losing to Granada on the road. Yeah, yeah it's, it's been... Yeah. You need some good news. <laughs> Urgent. Uh, no, but Barcelona, yeah. But I hate, I hate, I hate Valverde. Uh, it's kind of <laughs> the same situation with... Uh, with uh, Rayados, where the coach doesn't make us play well, but we have good talents, individual talents that make us, you know, win some games. Uh, yeah. But yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah. And uh, and cool. you have Neymar, uh, where you guys hate him, but he's the only one scoring and making you win. <laughs> no, we beat we we beat it. we beat Real Madrid without him, so yes. we're okay. We're, we're no, good. but um, I wanted to ask you something about PSG and. Uh, I, I was watching today's uh, game, and when they finished, uh, a large portion of the squad went to, you know, say hello to the ultras, thank them, and everything. But no Neymar there, right? Yeah. Do you know why, or is it just that he's still fighting with? They're the... still fighting with each other. That's a. It's a tough relationship. It's a it's a tough relationship. I think they're the only. I mean, there's still other fans that I love him. Hate. I I I have a love hate relationship. I love him when he does stuff like this, but I just hate him when he acts immature. I mean, considering he's already in his late twenties, you know, it's just like, come on, you know. Yeah, because because I wanted to, I I was gonna say like when he was in Barca, that was like I was like it was like that for me and for a lot of Barca fans, just a love hate relationship. But you know, he was a 22, 23, 24 year old kid, so you kind of understood those stupid mistakes. But now. Yeah, now he's closer to 30 than he is 20, so yeah. But I'm pretty sure if he does more stuff like this, it's going to be hard for the Ultras to stay mad at him, even though they shouldn't. You know, I, I think eventually they're just going to have to all get in the room together or something needs to happen, and they're just going to have to clear the air because it's going to be awkward as the season goes along. But it's going to, I told Drumpas to talk about the, the Real Madrid match a little bit, just to, you know, he probably needs to, Vents a little bit, but <laughs> yeah. but yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see what he has to say there. Also, shout out to Juan Bouchere, who, um, if you're already listening to this part of the episode, you kind of know that he did like a little small intro. We're gonna try to have as many guests, uh, like really cool guests, to like record an intro, just because that's that's really cool. Uh, and also, uh, shout out to your work colleague uh, Ray Hudson, who started following us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully. Uh... We can get him in the podcast. That'll be amazing. I mean, yeah, he has nothing to do with Rayals or anything, but he's just. But it's just cool. I just want to talk to him just because he'll do use some like weird um, phrases, you know. Like if you've seen, if you listen to him on BN Sports, he'll have like some weird, um, weird phrases. But it's, I mean, the most iconic one for me was like the the messy go um, against Real Madrid like two years ago where he just looked up that video on YouTube and it's just, you yeah. know, he's like, he sticks his flaming sword <laughs> in the hearts or whatever. That's it's, it's, it's a really good, it's a really good commentary, but man, if we there, can, 
There's one um, against Atletico Club where he says, uh, "Puts all the def- or has all the defenders inside a telephone box, and he still dribbles out of it, or something yeah. like that." He's just he's just the greatest ever. Yeah. I love him. I love him. I love him. Yeah, well, he's, he's, a, and he's an amazing person, uh, you know, in person. He's kind of the same character. So, yeah, shout out to him for following. That's crazy. But, yeah, cool to have him here. Yeah. <laughs> I just want him to just record an intro for us. Just because that would be, like, super cool. And, and The just, most, yeah. Yeah, I just say, hey, give us your, your, your best phrase that you can come up with when you think of Mexican soccer, you know, <laughs> and give it to us. But, but yeah, shout out to him. Um and yeah, I mean, I think I got to double check our downloads, but we're past 2.7K on the all-time downloads. And then we're also past 2.1 on the Twitter account. So yeah, thank you to everybody who does follow us, listens. And and like I said, subscribe on iTunes, um, subscribe on Spotify and then on iTunes. Be sure to give us a review um, and five stars because that helps us a lot because it just pops up on people's searches or whatever or or when they're looking at soccer podcasts so yeah um yeah i mean it's gonna be a lot it's gonna be a it's gonna be a busy week this week so yeah we'll 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 chat then bye